Hello and welcome to Hopeless After Dark. This is basically a fledgling subseries of THR where we don't exclusively talk about queer romance and are especially irreverent and filthy. Um, we do talk about queer romance in this episode, but we also talk about Overwatch and a bunch of various stuff. So if that sounds like something that would be interesting to you, please sit back and enjoy. And if not, we'll see you on the other side with our regular THR programming next episode. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoy. Howdy, y'all. Welcome back to The Hopeless Romantic. I'm going to Texas tomorrow, so we're not recording a regular episode. Not at all. I apologize in advance for the audio spike that you're going to have to deal with because I was excited about Texas and still am. You, you didn't mention that you're going to Austin. I'm going to Texas. Austin. Yeah, this is the Austin special episode. Austin squared. Yeah. This will have almost nothing to do with our regular content because we put out a call on Twitter for people to give us random topics to talk about yep. and we would talk about them. And so because I don't think we can write or <laughs> yeah. we can write. <laughs> I don't think we can write. Leave it there. I sure know I can't. Uh, I don't think we can do an entire however long episode about one of them. We're going to hodgepodge them together until we have a nice little multi-topic bonus content episode. So the first one is from Heidi, <laughs> who um, is also in Overwatch Hell with us. And she says, a solid hour discussing Reyes's pre-Reaper voice. And then I said, so a solid hour of Austin Chanted making fun of Reaper, which is true. Yeah. For a non uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For the non-Overwatch crowd, Reaper is a character in the game Overwatch who is a very silly man. Um, <laughs> he's, I think, supposed to be cool. That's and that His name is Reaper, and he has guns, and he goes around saying things like, Death walks among you. Okay, to be fair, his name, his name is uh, Gabriel Reyes. His okay. call sign overwatchy. What, what he calls himself is the <laughs> Reaper, unfortunately. In the uh, face of an owl. Yep. Anyway, um, I have nothing to say about Reaper except that he is very silly to me. And that he has, he has hella thighs, though. Yeah, he has they are thighs. thick and amazing. And choke me, I, daddy. I, <laughs> right. <laughs> four <sighs> minutes. Oh, oh my god! As you said that, I glanced at my recording, and it was four twenty, and I was like, <laughs> four twenty to choke me, daddy. Just that's how long it takes. I was about to say I was speaking your inner voice aloud. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? I don't actually want Reaper to choke me. I don't either. I wouldn't call him daddy if you paid me $10,000. Hanzo, on the other hand. Hanzo, you would call daddy accidentally. Oof. <laughs> the hits keep coming. <laughs> we play too much Overwatch in this household, and it is perhaps the number one, like, boost to my happiness in times of stress, but also 
the number one drain on my productivity. Yeah, yesterday I was I was trying to finish and edit. Push through. Do it. You're so close. And I was like, I'll take a, a nice decompression break and I'll play Overwatch. Two and a half hours later. And I could have gone for another two and a half hours. Yeah. See, and I am because I'm scrambling to finish stuff before vacation, I was like, well, one of the things I have to finish is playing Overwatch enough that I don't feel, like, neglected over over my vacation. So I was like, I'm going to prepare for my vacation by playing a video game for hours and hours. Let's not discount the fact that they're having a time-sensitive event. Okay, yeah, that's part of it. They are having a time-sensitive event, which they put smack dab in the middle of my busiest month. Yeah, legit. I gave Blizzard, the creator of Overwatch, so much of my fucking money this month. I think like $80, $90 in loot boxes. Yeah. God. Yeah. I didn't spend that much, but I I spent more of my money than I want to talk about. And this is the thing. I can't even blame Blizzard for being like evil with their microtransactions. It is genuinely just that they have created a game that is so compelling and characters that I love so much that I am willing to spend that much money on the chance of getting a new skin for them, even though that skin has absolutely no mechanical impact on the game at all. Absolutely. Well, it's also, no. I mean, I I bought, I spent three thousand of the of the Overwatch dollars uh, on a skin for Genji, who I don't even play. Yeah, because it was it's a, a hot really fucking good skin. skin. I was like, oh, I need that. I also, I have like every skin except for Widow. I don't have Widow's skin, which frankly, I'm not going to weep about. By the way, for the non-gamer crowd, a skin <laughs> is not their literal night. skin. It is, or is it? a, well, it can be a recoloring or new outfit or new design for a character that has absolutely no material impact on gameplay, except that maybe they Just look cute. hotter. Yeah. Uh, or cuter, as the case may be. I'm still upset that Blizzard is going to make me play their fu- You know what I found out? My fucking PC doesn't support Heroes of the Storm, so no. I have to see if I can play it on my Mac. I thought you were going to say I have to buy a new laptop. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. No, no. <laughs> they can't have that much of my fucking money. But this is the thing. They're like, if you play Heroes of the Storm for these weeks uh, and you do X amount of gaming... Um, we will give you uh, skins in Overwatch for, and one of them is a Genji skin that I don't care that much about, but the other one is a D.Va skin, and D.Va is one of my mains, and I love D.Va, and it's D.Va as a cop, and I'm upset, and I'm going to have to play fucking Heroes of the Storm enough to get that skin. I'm so mad. This is what <laughs> they've done to me. God. I'm also trying desperately to hit level 200. Um, I should probably hit it while Austin is on vacation. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to pull ahead of me while... I'm already, like, 80 levels ahead of you, bro. Yeah, I mean, you're ahead of me, but you keep being like, oh, you're gonna catch up. I feel like this will give you some <laughs> some time some to way. jaunt ahead. My, I'm, like, trying to figure out if the convention I'm going to has a gaming... So I know they have tabletop, but it's a small con, so I don't know if they have PC gaming or console gaming. And I desperately want to get a bunch of queers together and play Overwatch, but I don't know if it'll happen. Yeah, good luck. I hope you do. I want it to happen, except that I'd probably have to play PC, and I have no idea how to play Overwatch on PC. If you set me in front of a PC and gave me my fave, I would walk them into a wall and die. Like, I would have no idea even how to move back, forth, how to aim. Like, I don't know. I do not play shooters on PC at all. We are console babies. I can't think of a 
uh, first-person shooter I've played on PC, actually, for more than, like, ten minutes. Uh, I played Mass Effect. I played the first Mass Effect on PC, like, half the game, and I was terrible. Yeah. And uh, my PC barely supported it, so it was, like, the ugliest gaming experience of my life. Oh, Portal. Portal is the only. Oh, Portal, though. I love Portal. Yeah. Portal was not bad. Anyway, uh, video games. (laughs) I don't know. Look, I have to say, though, okay, so during this, what's the name of the event? Uh, Uprising? Uprising. Yeah. So during Uprising, which is this event, there's uh, special missions, uh, arcade missions that you go into. They're so fun. They're so fun. And you're going in as sort of the younger versions of these four characters. Um, It's Reinhardt, Torbjorn, Tracer, and Mercy. So healer tank, what do you even call Tracer? For the non-gamers out there. God hey, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Google. <laughs> DPS. She's DPS, um, yeah. Which, for the non-gamers out there, damage means per damage second. per second. Basically someone who's doing a lot of shooting. Yes. Tanks absorb damage. Healers heal everybody. And Torbjorn puts shitty turrets down for people to get shot by. <laughs> I'm giving it all I've got. I love Torbjorn. I am a Torblet frequently. I love playing Torb. You just you can't just spring that word on. <laughs> I love making dashiti turrets. Um, <laughs> I am a Torblet, and you don't need to know anything else. It's cryptic. I feel like I feel like you're implying things about your sexuality that you don't mean to right now. Yeah, probably. You know why we say Torblet, right? Yeah. Yeah, Daddy Ryan. Anyway, that's <laughs> enough about Overwatch. I was going to say the reason I brought up Uprising wasn't just to explain it to people. It's because um, when you're on the mission, uh, people are like giving you instructions, and it's like Anna and Commander Morrison and uh, Reyes, who later turns into Reaper, the edgiest edgelord of them all. And the reason Heidi brought this up was because he has a completely different speaking voice. Oh, yeah. That isn't, yeah. And he sounds so normal and chill, and it's like... He sounds like, he sounds like a good boy. Buddy. Instead of a bad boy. You didn't have to go all... Death, death comes. I'm back in black. That's I think that's my main Reaper voice line, but oh. I don't know, because I don't play Reaper. <laughs> unless I'm forced to. Yeah. <laughs> in random. Uh, oh, Reaper. I do, I do enjoy him. He's just ridiculous. And during, when, when Austin and I were watching Rogue One and Vader showed up, I leaned over and said, Death walks <laughs> God. The only yeah. person who can out-edge Lord Reaper is Darth Vader. Or Widow, frankly. Yeah. There are a lot of edgelords in Overwatch. It's just, it's a super enjoyable game that I, as somebody who loves tropes and tropey archetypes, it's like candy for me mm-hmm. and i find it very inspiring and it's also the first fandom i've been in in quite a while i am not actually in the overwatch fandom i just hang out on the outskirts and peek because it's cute i read i read one to two hours of overwatch fanfic a night at this point just oh so. wow you're yeah. in it to win yeah. it yeah nobody even knows nobody knows have you about found have you found any uh fisting with <laughs> the robot <laughs> Sorry, do you want to re- repeat that nice and nice and clear for the for the audience? <laughs> have you? F- <laughs> yeah. No, Amanda, I don't think they can hear you. Have you found any fisting with a robot hand? Absolutely. <laughs> that was a nice cryptic answer. But yeah. yes, I'm glad that you have. Have you? I read mean, it, which robot I mean. hand? 
<laughs> That's a good question. There isn't are a lot it? of robots in this game. <laughs> there are a lot of robots. Uh, I meant McCree's. Oh, that robot hand. I thought you meant Zenyatta. Oh, no. A lot Whoa, of fisting there's with... fisting with Zenyatta? There's so much! <laughs> what? <laughs> so Why? much. So much, my that's, dude. like, a problem. I'm just like, what? that's not what comes to mind when I think about fisting in the Overwatch I don't, roster. I don't know that I've seen any with McCree's hand. What? I've seen an, a lot with Zenyatta. My ac absolute favorite was the other day, I, I was scrolling through, and I read some, It the fic title was was like, something about, it, it was really like schmoopy, romancy sounding, like the way to his heart or something, and then my eyes skipped down to the tags, and it's like, vaginal fisting. <laughs> I was like, there you go. <laughs> that's that's the way my favorite is when i'm reading like so the tags are all cuddling fluff do 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 valentine's day hand holding and then at the end it's like enemas <laughs> like, yep. ass eating <laughs> yeah uh double fisting um double stuffed oreos so <laughs> <laughs> i think we should move on so uh the next topic was it's either we have three to choose from okay so uh <laughs> one is from our, our lovely friend tracy who said fantasy slash surrealism in romance and see i feel like we should save that one for an actual episode yeah i do i do actually have a fantasy um episode sort of yeah percolating <laughs> tracy you were too good I feel bad because on the heels of, like, fisting, like, let's earnestly answer this question from our yeah, lovely friend. I feel like that one I actually might want to reserve for a, a, a proper episode at some point because I have, I love fantasy. Many feels. I have yeah. many feels about that. Yeah. So after that, uh, Elliot Junkyard, or their, their, their um, Twitter, like, name is very cute, Small Mountain Gay with a rainbow yes. emoji next to it, said, TBH, I would listen to y'all talk about your AUs of your own writing for pretty much ever, <laughs> which I, I know is um, probably just every AU version of Peter Darling. <laughs> Honestly, I only really have the one of Peter Darling. Um, I have a, a modern AU that I started thinking about, and then it evolved into like completely its own thing and is no longer anything to do with Peter Darling. But yeah, I don't know. I liked this question because I feel like everything I write is an AU of something else that either I've written or someone else has written. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't have a single original idea in my head. <laughs> I just love I love riffing off stuff and I love I love the what ifs. And to me, a what if is more fun if it's based on something existing. So whether it's an archetype or trope or yeah yeah i love i love taking something existing and being like uh usually it's what if it was queerer but oftentimes <laughs> you know it can be something else that makes it more my jam and that's how like everything i don't have i talked before about how coffee boy is an au i don't think you've talked about it on the podcast you certainly told me yeah coffee boy is an au of a very very different story <laughs> um and in that one kieran is Kieran was like the straight ally best friend, straight <laughs> cis ally in that, who is like really flamboyant and sort of draws attention away from all the queers in the story and is like, has some interesting ally politics going on. 
and then on a wild uh, i don't i don't know why at this point um i just found this written in a notebook at some point i was like what if i shipped him though with one of the other main characters who is queer and that character was seth kind of a very different <laughs> version of seth very 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 different version of seth and they're they're pop stars in <laughs> the, the original version they're, they're pop stars I wrote like five chapters of this AU that was actually set in their world where they were attracted to each other. In my head, in my head, I've made them all members of NSYNC, even though I know that's not, that's not at all what was going on. Not quite. I was like, I love these five chapters I've written. What if I stripped away the context and made it like a workplace drama of a different sort? I don't think I kept a single word of those five chapters in the end. Um, because it wound up needing to change really drastically because things are different when you go from a pop star world to a political campaign office, unfortunately. Shocking. Um, but, uh, yeah, during the course of that, I was like, okay, and also Kieran is going to be trans and he's queer. And then it, it wound up being really interesting because it changed his character super drastically from the one who was sassy but had never actually had to deal with homophobia or transphobia to the character who was super sassy but actually had this sort of underlying like had dealt with a lot of bullshit so i don't know that's just one example uh pretty much everything else i've ever written is also an example of that in some way or another it's where you're knee deep in an existing original verse and then you go but what if yeah i I, almost every idea i have chains off of something else even if those links eventually drop like I haven't worked on the pop star story in a very long time. I started working on it like seven years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Coffee Boy wound up being its own thing that was very autonomous. And then... Bears, it bears no resemblance absolutely. to its origins. I think I read to you a little bit of the, the original at one point and it was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> that's, yeah. It involved blackmail, like Kieran blackmailing seth and other unlikable (laughs) actions i don't know why kieran one of your main characters would ever do anything unlikable i've never hey hey now never seen you write in an unlikable character in your whole life i (laughs) you know what an au would be writing a likable version (laughs) hey now AU where all my characters are nice, good, reasonable people. Sweet babies. Any of my AU stuff would be either stuff that I am writing now or that is secretly published elsewhere. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't really have anything for this. I'm not working on anything in earnest right now, unfortunately. In Um, earnest, huh? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I I haven't written in quite a while, um, or at least written to any sort of end um in a while because i'm drowning in work it engages a really similar part of my brain unfortunately mm-hmm. i get excited in the world building and like plotting stage and then i have no energy to move it forward because all of my energy go- goes toward looking at other people's words <laughs> yeah someday. someday 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 my 
muse will come. I don't actually believe in muses, so that's fine. Also, whenever anyone talks about their muse, I just picture, like, fanfiction.net, like, little chibi muses who come out and, like, sing a little disclaimer song and are like, or when the author argues with them. That's just what I picture. That's fair. I, I feel like I don't believe in muses, but I do believe in when your brain has space to frolic and like mm-hmm. think about stuff magic happens yeah like, not for actual sure. magic but that's when like the subconscious kicks in and is like what if i did something really cool i was gonna say i'm super excited to go on vacation because i've been working really hard on a freelance writing project that i just finished and it has totally absorbed my creative brain for a while mm-hmm. and i still feel like my brain is kind of tied in knots around it but i'm gonna be on a plane for like six hours and i'm probably just gonna sit there and like Think. work on other creative stuff and listen to music and that is where my brain will have space to do cool stuff mine gets backed into a corner with too many deadlines and too much stress and absolutely no give and then it springs fully formed ideas unto me that i cannot write because i'm busy I don't know what it is. It's like I have a dearth of ideas normally. And then when I'm like, "Ah, I can only take a two hour nap and then I have to work for eight more hours. And my brain will wake me up out of my precious nap and be like, here's your entire story fucking beginning to end with dialogue that you can hear in your brain. Or or it does it in the shower and you're like, I'm not going to remember this and I'm not going to flood my entire bathroom trying to get out and find a piece of fucking paper like no i need a whiteboard or something i like the image of you just you emerge from the shower and the bathroom just floods somehow <laughs> like the bath you just like kick down the side of your bathtub i don't have a bathtub i have a standing uh shower which is even funnier Presu- well presumably then it has some sort of device like a drain or something y- yes to prevent <laughs> has a massive drain oh no i'm just picturing me kicking open the like stall door yeah and just water like the, the beginning of um pray you catch me from lemonade like beyonce's like water <laughs> just unleashing onto the steps that's yep. me that's me when i get out of the shower nice that kind of thing definitely happens to me too like this last i don't know couple weeks while i've been working on the freelance gig i suddenly had a brilliant idea for a story i want to work on and i wrote 20 pages of notes in the two days that i've allowed myself to work on it and i started like world building and coming up with naming conventions and all this bullshit i I can't work on it i didn't have time then and then I, my, uh, my dungeon master for one of my D&D groups sent out a thing that was like, hey, can you give me some backstory for your characters? And I wrote like <laughs> 1,500 words. Also, and is I anyone know, shocked that he plays D&D? I am in two D&D groups. <laughs> I only, the only character, the only D&D character of yours that I'm familiar with is the one that you play in our household. Yes. So I don't have any feelings about the other one, but I have a lot of feelings about this one. Yes, Rook is a delight. I'll probably steal him for a book at some point. He's a uh, yeah. You need to. He's he's real basically good. a fantasy bro. Um, if he could wear a snapback, he would. Yeah. And uh, he's also a sexy Marxist. He's also a fucking badass. I I really should join this D and D group because one low pressure and all our friends, but also because I think that it would engage a part of my brain that like isn't the writing part. So. It's such a, like, low-stakes creativity 
and just like playground i feel like that's why my brain got so excited about it when i was at maximum stress over (laughs) the freelance thing because my it was just like this has no like impact on your career in any way this is just a fun thing that you do with your friends so pour all of your effort into that just like (laughs) frolic and dance in this like the the minor minor details of how did your character get his nickname and what does his brother look like and what is his whole family tree and blah 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 i really like rook he's important i hope you steal him and repurpose him for something i'm not sure what I could. I want to tell the the viewership about this D and D campaign because I think our basic premise is so awesome. We are uh, the all the characters are in like a witch's coven, um, and we are playing a a game called Dungeon World, which is a, a lot like D and D, but it's much more freeform, much less dice, and a lot more um, sort of collaborative storytelling based, mm-hmm. which is great if you especially if you have a group of writers or creatives which we do for this one because you basically just build the world together and you build the stories together it's really fun and we wanted to play a game that didn't have the restrictions of trying to come up with like a, a balanced party in the way that you would have to in a traditional game so we have three spellcasters which normally would not be a great plan in a D game <laughs> three spellcasters and a rogue um and it's really fun because we're also inventing the magic system so we have a necromancer we have like a plant person who is sort of a druid sort of a ranger and has like animal companions and then we have dirt (laughs) yeah eats dirt and then we have a, a sort of a garbage wizard who believes that magic is just science basically and thinks of it all as like math mathematics and whatnot and then we have my garbage thief boy who has no magical powers. Who has absolutely no magical abilities. So it's really fun. We've got this party of incredibly powerful, like, lifelong magic users who have developed their crafts, and then him. Also, your rook voice always kills me. Yeah, I, I switch into my, like, my bro voice, and I don't, I can't, I don't even know if I can do it, like, when yeah, I'm not... Yeah, without prompting, yeah. Without being rook, but it's fun. You have fun. to inhabit I, him. I have to inhabit him. It's it's a very I get very method acty too. I wear my backwards baseball caps and drink beer and it's a delight. I'm also not over our DM or your DM. I love that I'm already co-opting Zen for this, <laughs> but um, the DM like, was doing the voice of a very surreal. What was it? It was the it was the chair. It was the yeah the, the chair Comfy. with the face. I can't remember what it was, but it was a talking well, chair. Yeah. And the voice that Z was using for this talking chair was exactly like Dana Carvey's impression of uh, the first Bush. I was like, what? What is the first his middle Bush. initial? I think it's H.W.? H- yeah, Herbert Walker. <laughs> the first Bush. <laughs> Bush, like Bush Prime. And I was fucking crying because I was like, is no one else recognizing that this is exactly like, not gonna do it. Like, it was the same voice. <laughs> It was so good. I think we were all just too upset about the chair. The chair was really upsetting. <laughs> the last response, which unfortunately for this person, um, Anna to Rama or Come on Eileen, I see your song reference there, um, requested Damon and Laurent in a coffee shop AU, please. And I'm all for Damon and Laurent AUs. Unfortunately, coffee shop AUs are ones that I am kind of burned out on. So I'm trying uh. to think of a way to subvert it. <laughs> All right. 
I feel like the title of this should be Subverting the Coffee Shop AU. <laughs> that's that's going to be my, my, like, I don't know, master's thesis. Yes. God, yes. Well, I'm trying to think about how, like, romance novels and fics I've read have subverted that in the past. Like, you can you could have a coffee shop that's, like, a front. Yeah, for... like money laundering or, like, yeah. Like, it, it looks like a, a coffee shop AU on the surface, but then it's just really grim. <laughs> Dystopia or something. I like the idea of Laurent being a really mean barista, though. That's the, that's the thing, though. Like, that was the one thing that stuck in my craw, is just, yeah. like, Damon coming in and not knowing what kind of coffee to order. Because he's just like, I don't know, I like coffee, it's fine. And Laurent just being, like, the most, like, murderous, like, coffee snob in the world. Yeah. Who's shitty to people. And, like, when he repeats your order, it kind of sounds like he's mocking you, but you're mm-hmm. not sure. That's that's what I vaguely he, He's, like, a super hipster. Well, that's... You know what? I'm being mean to Laurent, because I don't think that Laurent is that awful all the time, especially depending no. on the verse. This is the thing, because I feel like Laurent in NAU, where none of the bad shit, the terrible shit happened to him, would actually be, like, a weird, awkward boy who likes to read. Yeah, he would be fairly chill, I feel like. Yeah, I think he would be fairly chill and, like, reserved, for sure. I don't think he would be, you know, fucking life of the party or anything. But no, I I think he would be a little bit snooty. What if... Hang on, though. What if we can... What if Damon were were the barista and... Laurent were like the heir to some like shitty rich like evil company or something like I'm trying to imagine a situation where he could still sort of be the like the ruler prince type but in a modern setting well so would I mean Damon would have to be too because they're sort of equals in in a weird way well that's the thing is like if you have him as some sort of ruler he would have to be the second son though because yeah I'm just trying to, this is the problem, is I I want them to continue to have that, like, I want Laurent to have the problems of being in the public eye and sort of being, like, a a figure, but you can't really have them both be that and also work in a coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) There's the rub. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All I all I think about when like I spent a lot of time thinking about the, the captive prince and I spent a lot of time thinking about it used because I am that sort of person, and really honestly like every time it just comes back to arranged marriage AU, and yeah. um, AU where Damon meets Laurent when he's still young and not completely tormented by all of the horrible things in his life. And they meet in a coffee shop. <laughs> they meet in like, the modern AU where they meet in a coffee shop. <laughs> And then they find out, well, no, they meet in a coffee shop and then you find out that one or both of them is actually like, you know, the son of power or something. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I thought he was just really annoying and hot. And then it turned out that, I don't know, he's the son of a business empire. See, I could work with Damon being uh, not also like a rich guy or a powerful person in that I feel like they meet in circumstances in canon where Damon is sort of humbled in a way, but like, but he gains his agency back, not through regaining power, but by being like more emotionally stable and like strategic and like more, a little more emotionally healthy. So it kind of worked for me if he was just like a barista. What are you? I just realized. (laughs) (laughs) I realized that you can essentially give 
Damon, the plot of Thor. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Yes. And then he gets thrown to Earth and he has to, like, deal. <laughs> and then Laurent is, like, the, I don't know, he does something, but he's also a barista. Yeah. And he has he's... to deal. But no, I just was laughing at the idea because I was like, well, Caster, like, if it's a modern AU, Caster could, you know, do some some trickery and get him kicked out or do some bullshit where Damon's power and agency is taken from him in certain some respect. And then I was like, Oh, so Thor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea also of like cute, uh, scientist Laurent oh. studying this stuff. I'm kind of down for that. Oh yeah. Cause he is a little bookworm. He's a smart, yeah. he's a smart boy. Maybe he's the he's Darcy in this situation. Oh no, he's the like mashup of Darcy and Jane. Yeah, because I like the idea of him being like a snarky intern. Oh my god, but who would be who would be the main like who would be the main scientist if not? Oh, I don't know. I mean, Nicandros makes a really natural like. Uh, is there a name for, like, the squad with Sif and the other less relevant people? Oh, yeah, it's like the Warriors... <laughs> the uh, Warriors 3? The Warriors 3 or 4. Are there three of... Four of them? <laughs> we there? know the Thor canon real well. Some of our friend Korra is just is screaming. Korra is just screaming right now. Yeah, anyway, those those ones. I think it's Sif and the Warriors 3. Yeah, oh, that's right. Because there are four of them. But yeah. that's why but I was Sif confused. Sif gets her own separate title because she's great. Sif is clearly Nicandros. <laughs> yeah. Just falling around being like, oh, don't. Oh, no. Oh, God, stop. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sorry. I'll, every time I think of Thor, I just think of Sir Anthony Hopkins with the immortal line of a scream. Um... <laughs> Also, I feel like I'm being too kind to Caster by letting him be Loki because Caster is not that clever. Oh, yeah, no. So, in the Thor AU, that's also a coffee shop AU. Yeah, I like that To in order to, to sort of enliven the coffee shop AU, we've uh, taken the coffee shop out of it entirely <laughs> and made it Thor. Honestly, I'm surprised no one's kind of done that already. Honestly, that is a fantastic Damon analog, though. Also, it really is, really though, like, point. the big sort of brutish kind of warmongering, very linear thinker mm -hmm. who's very also kind. just cheerful and kind, yeah. very but straightforward. also a little immature. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. This is the problem. I feel like Laurent is a good Loki analog, but then... Yeah. Then they're but he's brothers. also a sweet, good boy, so it's hard. He's like a Loki yeah. analog, but also a Jane analog. I don't know. Somewhere in there is Laurent. Yeah. We have to mash up some characters. Also, there's a coffee shop in there somewhere. I don't know there's where. There's a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Loki works there. <laughs> I'm sure there are 10,000 coffee shop AUs that Loki features in. At, at the questionnaire... Uh, questionnaire? <laughs> at the person who requested this, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry we've really failed uh, you oh i made um i made my my bff macy read uh here's the thing i just went to la and orange county to hang out with my bff and some of our friends and uh i i was like oh i'm so excited because one of the things i do when i'm hanging with macy is i read to her at night and i read her like some stucky fic and i've read her a bunch of stuff and i was like ooh, i'll have her trapped and she has to listen to me read all of captive <laughs> prince or at least like the first book 
And unfortunately for me and more for Macy, the night before I was due to fly out to LA, she was like, I have the plague. I'm very sick. Oh no. But she's still trooper. It was her birthday as well. Like I I was getting there the day before her birthday and she was like really sick, but she was doing it. You know, she was managing. We went to a wine bar. The next day we're in our hotel room and she wakes up and she's the sickest I've ever seen her. So I like went off and did my own thing and I come back and I'm like, Macy, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you some captive prints. And she's like, okay. So I'm reading to her and I'm getting all into it. I'm like, oh, here it is. And I'm getting to Laurent. And then I read Laurent's lines and I'm like, yes, here he is. And I look over and she's dead ass asleep. (laughs) God damn it, Macy. (laughs) I never got to read Captive Prince to you. And I was like, finally, she texts me. She's like, I'm going to read Captive Prince for our friendship. And she did. And I could see book one. She was like, I like Laurent a lot. Book two, I'm in pain. <laughs> so much pain. Book two fucked her up. And then book three, she was just like, I can't, I, I can't do this. This is all, this is painful. And then finally she just finished the third book. And I was like, you got to read the sort of epilogue short story, Summer Palace, because I know you're in pain and you need some sort of, you need to break that shit up somehow. And she's like, I can't do it. <laughs> she's in too much pain. She fucking had a meltdown, the likes of which I have never seen her have. Poor dear. I'm glad you were in the same place of hell and torment that I've been in for the last, I don't know, five months. Whatever, however long it was that I, however long ago it was that I read Captive Prince and died and was re- resurrected just to be murdered again. Right in the feels. So I'm very pleased that I've dragged multiple people into this and will continue to if I have any say in it. I love that fucking series. I love Laurent so much. It's real good. I really, I want to reread it. Uh, Well, (laughs) my throat hurts, so we should stop doing this. We should stop. But thanks everybody for listening to this uh, episode of Nonsense and and Tangents. And... um... Thank you to everybody who sent us questions also. Yes. And um, as a, as a, a note, um, the next episode should be coming out, I don't know, not relatively soon, but we'll have, we'll have our, our regular schedule sort of back to it. We've just been really busy between my traveling and now Austin's traveling and yep. life. Life. We each <laughs> took a week off, I think. Basically. Well, if you want to continue this weird-ass conversation on Twitter, (laughs) I am at, um, I know, right? I am at Amanda H. Jean. I am at Austin Chanted. Thank you so much. That's our show. Bye. This episode of THR's Hopeless After Dark is produced by Amanda Jean, with graphics by Keezy Young. Amanda Jean is also responsible for the dubious remakes of Carly Ann Warden's original theme. If you enjoyed, please rate and review on iTunes, or maybe check out our Patreon. You can find us on Facebook, and our Twitter is at Podcast.